about the state of things. Hey, welcome to Love Living Life with Marla Williams as part of Lift Your Spirits Radio. I am so excited about today's show. But before I go there, let me just touch on that song you just heard, Distance, by Pricey Diggs. And Pricey Diggs is from California and does a lot of shows down there. But this month, he is actually in Washington. So if you like what you just heard or you want to go to PriceyDiggs.com to hear his music, he's going to be playing tonight in my place where I live, Camano Island. He will be at Edward Lynn Cellars from four to seven. And then he'll be up in Anacortes, Simiamu and, and uh, Rockfish Grill uh, in the next couple of weeks. So jump on his website, PriceyDiggs.com and see where he's going to be playing because he's amazing. He plays with his wife, Annie, and they are an amazing couple that have played free concerts during the winter during COVID and brought a large group of people from all over the world together and doing this amazing gift for people. And now he's out sharing this amazing music that he does around the world. Jeff, you should come up. Anyway, (laughs) I'm moving on. Um, I also want to talk for a minute. There's going to be an ad you're going to hear today on the radio about Hazel Blue Acres. And this is the place I go every single year and get like 60 pounds of blueberries because I love blueberries. They're really, really good for you. And this is an organic farm. It's in Selvana, Washington. And they only have like two more weeks of fresh berry picking. So get up there while you can. It's totally COVID safe. And you're all spread out from other people. The fields are big. And not only that, but in September, they will be offering wild crow um, blackberry or blueberry pies that are specialty uh, wild caught sockeye salmon, which I'm going to go get some. Anyway, check out the website and you listen to the ad and go support my favorite people for blueberries, Hazel Blue Acres. But today, I can't say enough about my guest today. I met him over a year ago at an event on Vashon Island um, for Bruce Lipton, and I have known Bruce for a while, and Jeff was able to come to this event, and we immediately connected. We have a lot of similar beliefs and a lot in common, and I just think this guy walks on water with what he's done in the world. So I'm very, very excited to interview my friend and colleague, Jeff Granville. Jeff, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Marla. I appreciate that so much. And it was an honor to meet you at the Lipton event on Vashon. And um, the network just continues to grow from there. And uh, I really um, cherish the opportunity to um, read your book and talk about it with you and carry that forward in some discussions that I've had. And it's been extremely helpful. And you're an amazing resource and a great light in the world. So Thank you for Yay. having me. Well, just I'm glad you brought that up because I forgot Jeff was one of the people that endorsed my book in my book. So the name of my book is The Being Zone. And you can get that on Amazon. You can go to my website, marlawilliams.net to find it. But um, his endorsement was very meaningful to me because of what he's doing in the world. So let me tell you a little bit more and then I'm going to let him tell his story. But he's kind of one of my heroes. And the reason why is he truly makes a difference in the world with pediatric patients and their families. And now he's expanded that to more adults because he is um, realizing how valuable this tool is. And during COVID, a lot of people need what he does. And so he used breathing and visualization to save his son's life. 
And we're going to get into the story a little bit more, but basically in general terms, the doctors, his son was so sick and so bad that they said if they tried to give him medication or epidural to get him ready for the surgery, he had cancer to do what he needed to do, that he'd probably die from that and that he, they needed him in a calm place so they could do a, uh, what's that thing called, Jeff? A lumbar puncture. A lumbar puncture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Jeff went in and this amazes me with like an hour, he was with the care team. They were talking about strategies and how his son wouldn't make it if they weren't able to do these procedures. And they said, Jeff, we've watched you calm your son when he has to get a shot or has to do this. Can you come into the procedure room and get him into a calm state so we can do this lumbar puncture and do the things that we need to do that will save his life? Because if we give him the meds, he won't live. And Jeff didn't really have a choice and he was not highly trained. I don't think in doing that type of thing, except for himself. And he knew how to get his son calm. So he went into that room and took him into a calm, coherent state. And the doctors did what they were able to do. They, he saved his life. If you think about this as a parent, the pressure on you of knowing whether your child will live or die, and you're sitting in there having to stay calm yourself and get your child into a calm place, that just touched my heart to know what he did. And then he took that experience and realized that the doctors probably get into that kind of situation many times, and that what he did for his son could be very useful to teach to others. So he founded a company called Mindful Presents. It's a nonprofit, and he teaches pediatric patients, parents, and other people how to get into that calm state so they can go through procedures and shots and surgeries with more ease and grace. And that the good news is the outcome is often better when they are in a calm state than when they go into surgery and fear or worry or that type of thing. And so with that, I want to start kind of prior to that situation because McCoy, his son, who almost died, had a very, very normal childhood up to that point. And then something happened in the family. So Jeff, you're going to take it from here and kind of talk about life before McCoy's cancer. And uh, let me know what that was like. And then we're going to talk about the cancer showing up and kind of all this that you went through and explain it in more your terms versus Marla's outside view. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Thank you, Marla. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's actually just sitting and listening to that review is, is, can be very triggering. That's uh, it brings me right back to that moment. Yeah. So I'll read that through right there. Okay. Good. And that's so. what you teach. So actually let's start with just a very short, everybody listening to this, because it is heartbreaking to hear what he's going to be going through at least bits and pieces of it. Let's everybody just take a deep breath in and release it. Put yourself into a calm state. Okay. Go ahead, Jeff. All right. Thank you. Great setup. Yeah, I'm, I'm the father of eight beautiful children. And at the time um, McCoy was born, um, my last wife, last ex-wife, I should say, um, the mother of Logan and McCoy, we were running a boatyard in Anacortes, my hometown, and fifth generation from Fidalgo Island, and um, actually on two sides of my family. So um, I'm at home in Anacortes and I'm running my own boatyard. I was in the boatyard pleasure boat business uh, my entire career. 
and um, you know, enjoying the fruits of my labor. I've got 27 employees. I've got a wonderful clientele. Um, living in my hometown, um, things are great. And I'm I'm married to a beautiful woman. We've got a, a a beautiful young daughter together who's two. And in 2008, when the banks were starting to fail, we saw the writing on the wall, and we kind of diminished the size of our company, and we bought a sailboat capable of cruising around the world. And as the turn of the year came and into February of 2009, it was just not happening. So we closed the business, we moved aboard the sailboat, and we took off up into Canada. And we were actually um, online uh, in Powell, and we were, um, we were signing up for the Baja Haha, which is go to San Diego in a group of boats and cross into Mexico, have a big party, and then everybody goes their separate ways. But my wife, Jody at the time was like, you know, I just don't feel it anymore. And here she was a machinery mate in the Coast Guard and in the boatyard business. And that's how we met. And we have this common vision together. But she's just like, you know, I'm not feeling it anymore. So we come back out of Princess Louisa and she takes a pregnancy test and finds out that she's pregnant with McCoy. So we were definitely a little, it was a bit of a stretch to take my wife and a young daughter into a third world country, but a pregnant wife and give birth to a new baby in a third world country, no. So we decided to sell the sailboat and move to Eastern Washington. And with my sister and my daughter, we bought a 34 acre farm on the Kettle River. And there was a homestead there, log home and barn and a big, huge shop, three-story shop with greenhouse and everything. So we're on the Kettle River. We have an artesian well. We're growing all our own uh, vegetables. We have pigs and chickens and goats and rabbits. And, you know, the second year into it, it's like, hey, everything on my plate came from the farm. You know, that was a wonderful place to be. And it afforded me the time to, we built our own home. You know, I did all the groundwork and tree work and did everything but the cement work. And we had this great life going. And um, there came a time where my now ex-wife just decided, you know, I'm I'm not into this anymore. This isn't the life for me. She does um, a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, so here we are. And um, so I've got the kids in the home I built on the farm and they're going back and forth to their moms. And, and um, on the farm, we had the luxury of being on the river and from our spot on the river, we could go up river and inner tube down, or we could inner tube down river and come back up. Or, and then we had a beautiful ski slope, latitude 49, that the local school in Orient, every Friday in the winter, they would shut down and we'd all take the bus up skiing. And I had that freedom. This was a beautiful life we had. And so it, it turned out that those experiences on the farm really played into what happened with McCoy later on, because they were the source of our visualization work we did um, in those procedures. So um, right after Christmas in 2014, McCoy had been sick with what so, the dog. So let me bring up a point here that I think we're missing is that your wife left and it was like three months later. Mm -hmm. that McCoy actually started getting sick yeah, and you thought yeah. it was allergies at first. Yes, actually that is correct. Three yeah. months after she left the farm and we announced divorce and a four-year-old boy says, I didn't even know that could happen. 
Yeah. So and what I want to point out here is a traumatic experience in a person's life can change their mindset and change their health. And yeah. that's what happened to McCoy, I believe. Yeah, and I do too. And and that's where Bruce Lipton comes in with biology of belief, because when a social or environmental trigger changes our epigenetic expression, then that can trigger cancers and things like that to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's called traumatic shock. And um, many women who go through breast cancer have gone through an unwanted divorce or alienation or something that sets off a trigger for cancer to express itself. And as Bruce Lipton teaches us and the world now knows, you know, less than 1% of cancers are hereditary. The rest are a result of epigenetic expression from social environmental triggers. So I, I agree with you completely that that is probably what set the wheels in motion. And of course, that adds to the parents' sense of guilt and responsibility. Mm -hmm. You know, when they see their child going through something traumatic, and you know that your own actions played into that, right? Yeah. So it all is a, a recipe for being right here today, though. And I, yeah. I can't, I mean, I talk with McCoy that way all the time. And, you know, if, if I could go back and give him his four-year-old innocence back, maybe we'd do it. But we wouldn't trade this situation for anything in the world. I mean, we are in a place of receivership for uh, the offerings to help other people and carry this forward. So yeah. it's a true blessing. And you're doing amazing things. We have just a few minutes till break, but what I'd like you to do is go to Christmas and we're going to kind of lead people into what started happening and then we'll get into more details uh, after, after break. Yeah, um, right after Christmas in 2014, when um, Christmas morning, Jody delivered the kids to me, and I had them for the rest of school break, and McCoy's face was swollen, and the local doctors thought he had a local virus, and, and it was too late for antibiotics, so they said, just give him some Benadryl for the swelling and let it run its course. So um, a few days after Christmas, it was a Sunday night after a Seahawks game, I loaded the kids in my car and we took off for Anacortes to visit my mom and we had bags packed for a week or so. And um, he was fine in the car seat. He was just fine. But when we got to my mom's and I laid him down at one in the morning, he was struggling and laboring to breathe. The only way that he was comfortable was on his side. And um, in the morning, um, I said, well, I'm going to take him to my local doctor here. I'm in Anacortes. I've been with a doctor for over 30 years. And on the one day he was there between Christmas and New Year's, that was the Monday that I took him in. And luckily, he really paid attention. He ordered an x-ray and wanted to order an MRI, but the insurance wouldn't allow him. So we gave uh, approval for the x-ray, which showed what they thought was double pneumonia. And so we prescribed an antibiotic and they said, take him home, give him the antibiotics and it should clear up. Well, right after dinner that night, before he'd actually had any antibiotics, the doctor called back and said the radiologist had examined the films from the day and said that is not double pneumonia. McCoy has a chest mass and he needs a CT scan as soon as possible. So we the doctor said, if I can't get approval for a CT scan, I want you to drive him to Seattle Children's Hospital first thing in the morning. If you don't hear from me by 10, take off. So by noon, we were in the doors of Seattle Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. 
And within an hour, they had taken a lab draw and came in to tell me that his white blood cell count was over 400,000. And he had leukemia or lymphoma, but they couldn't tell which. And they had to perform a lumbar puncture in order to draw spinal fluid to see if any of the leukemic blast had passed the blood barrier, but they were stuck because he was so lymphoblastic and so swollen that his airway and superior vein were blocked. So blood could go to his head, but not return. And it was like his heart was beating inside a hundred rubber bands. So they were stuck. They literally said, we don't have what it takes to help your son. So this is a, this this is is it. Great place to take a break because then you're going to hear the rest of the story, which is absolutely amazing. You're listening to Love Living Life with Marla, with Marla Williams as part of Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with this exciting story. Don't miss out. Just two weeks left to pick fresh organic blueberries at Hazel Blue Acres in Silvana. Exit 208 off I-5. It's a great activity for friends, family, and it's COVID safe. After mid-September, place an online order at hazelblueacres.com. Curbside pickup Tuesdays 2 to 6, Saturdays 9 to 2. Buy a famous Whidbey Island Wild Crow Organic Blueberry Pie, blueberries, hazelnuts, or wild-caught salmon. Visit hazelblueacres.com today and place your order. Lift your spirits with me, Dina Marie, on Whidbey Island. I'll be a tour guide for your spirit and a travel agent for your soul. Retreats include a healing session for your body, your mind, and your spirit. You'll receive a Reiki session plus a chakra reading, experience a labyrinth in the woods, take a walk on the beach, and enjoy downtown Langley with me. Retreats are customized for you or a group of friends. You can visit dina-marie.com to connect with me today. Island time is waiting for you. Is ADHD or dyslexia holding you or someone you love back? Do you struggle to organize, process information, concentrate, or even remember things? Or has a brain injury impacted your life? At A Bit Better Brain, we have a simple, fast, and natural solution. The brain integration technique clears the blocked pathways in your brain so you can live life unhindered. Visit abitbetterbrain.com to hear real stories of real transformation. That's abitbetterbrain.com. On the path to good health and well-being, Alternative Talk 1150 is the station for you. Thank you for listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. I am talking with Jeff Granville, and he is a father that changed his son's life or saved his son's life and now does work to save the lives of others. So, Jeff, continue with your story. You were talking about how the doctors didn't have a lot of options, but Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Marla. Yeah. Um, So after I got him in the hospital 
and they did the lab draw, which I helped him, of course, be calm to get the Pope for the lab draw. And they witnessed that because we turned his head attention away and we went forehead to forehead and did our breathing together and put him in a coherent state to take the lab draw. And they had witnessed that. And um, be, but before that, the key thing that happened before that is after we did the lab draw, I called his mom and she came from Eastern Washington and got there the next day. And one of the things that happened is once she got there, I got it, went out of the room for the first time in a day. I got a Starbucks, I got something to eat. And when I came back in, I hear McCoy, he's like upset. And there's his mom and three big nurse guys around his bed and they're trying to force him to do something mm-hmm. and he's complaining they're like trying to hold him down and say you you have to do this and i said whoa 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 wait i set my coffee down i said what's going on and they said well we need him to take this oxygen to clear his lungs so he's got like a an aspirator that you know it's like a inhaler a big inhaler and i'm like okay wait a minute what has to happen Well, he needs to put it over his mouth and nose, and he needs to take eight breaths and do that three times. And I said, okay, well, just give me a minute. So we did our breathing, and I said, okay, McCoy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, an astronaut. And I said, well, what don't they have out in space? He said, oxygen. And I said, so this is kind of like astronaut training. And he said, yeah. And I said, so what we're going to do is we're just going to practice approaching your face and then back off again, practice and breathe and back off again. And each time we got closer and closer, and then pretty soon he just started breathing. And that's part of what the the nurses witnessed is that taking a time out, get calm, reframe it into something they can comprehend because it was a surprise. They didn't know. He didn't know what it was he was supposed to be doing. They just tried to put it on him to breathe. So being honest, even with a four-year-old, and being uh, no surprises, and let's, let's run through it together, those and all became the foundation for our practice. And no forcing. No forcing. Bringing them in, involving them, making them feel safe. Exactly. So beyond they, the breathing, beyond that, it's the words and the connection that you do too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Um, we were, they were trying to figure out how to treat him because you have the cancer doctors, the oncology department that wants to administer chemo. And you have the surgical department who has to take the spinal fluid. And the surgical team was saying, well, we can't, we can't sedate him to take the spinal fluid because he'll crash. He'll go into cardiorespiratory arrest because once his tone, if you give him anesthesia, the the muscle tone of their body collapses and the breathing and rest and the heart stops. So they said, well, we can't give him chemotherapy till you draw the spinal fluid. And we can't draw the spinal fluid until you give him chemotherapy. So by their own policies of the hospital in the AMA, you can't give chemotherapy without pulling spinal fluid. So they were stuck within their own paradigm that they set up. So, after 24 hours and that paradigm was set up for a reason medically yes they saw it as the only way to do it 
Yes. Okay. So they, go, they going. know no other way until yeah. now. Right? Yeah. So, um, so here we're stuck for 24 hours and now it's new year's Eve day, new year's Eve morning. And they called a care meeting together where there was anesthesiologists, nursing, pharmacy, legal department, doctors, nurses, there's 40 people in a care conference. And me and his mom sitting in chairs looking at two 70 inch monitors of the MRI of his airway that's closing off his heart restriction, his superior vein is blocked. And we just don't have anything mechanical to help him medically or mechanically to help him. And they said, but some nurses and doctors have seen your ability to keep him calm during procedures. So the, the, what we think we can do, if we can get permission from administration, is get you in the procedure room to try to keep him calm and talk him through it. Wow. So, you know, in a nutshell, you look back and it's like, your son's going to die. There's nothing we can do about it. And we want you to talk him out of it. Yeah. 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 Just, and this is, this is care meetings happening and you guys got to act quick. It's not like yeah. you have time to think about it or prepare. Yeah. You, you got to get scrubbed up. You got to get into the room. Go. Right. And then and, you got to be in a calm state yourself. Right. <sighs> Did you do meditation work before this when you were like out on the farm or just being out in that environment kept you in that calm space? No, I've, I've been aware of breath work and visualization and meditation, but I've never been a practicer. <laughs> I've never really, it's just kind of an awareness. And luckily, luckily, as we all know, the power of planting a seed, right? Yeah. You know, the, the seed might not help us, but if we water it and it germinates and it bears fruit, then, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've got something to go with. But um you know, in that care conference, um, Jody, the, his mom, was sitting next to me. And when they first started talking and first put the images on the screen, she left to go be by his side. It was just too overwhelming. And I'm there by myself. And I asked, okay, well, what about the heart-lung machine? Can we put that on first? And they said, no, he'll go into shock. And if we start doing the lumbar puncture and he starts to go collapse, it takes 40 minutes to hook up the heart-lung machine. So we're stuck. So I said, okay, well, then I'm your guy. I'll do it. What do we got to do? So they got permission from administration, and we went down to the surgical team, and there was a Dr. Buddha, lady Dr. Buddha, who was there and going to do the procedure. And she's like, no, no, no parents coming in my procedure room. And the surgeon on staff, my amazing friend now, Steve Standage, who was chief of surgery in emergency the night we brought him in, he said, no, this is what's going to happen. So they literally got on the phone. She took the call and she said, okay, we're going to allow him in. So he went above and got permission out of the norm, out of her agreement. And they put him on a table where he needed to have a pick line installed, which is a catheter that goes in his arm all the way to his heart. So they can draw blood and administer medicine. So that was the first procedure and it went perfectly. I got in his ear, his eyes are swollen shut. So think of it, a four-year-old in a hospital where you're swollen shut, you can't even look around. It's like an alien autopsy, you know, and here he is, And all he has is the sound of my voice and my heartfelt presence with him. Mm -hmm. And I knew 
through like Shaki Gawain's book, Creative Visualization, that we can create a picture in our mind and our body doesn't know the difference between a story and a real event. So I knew that if I could um, get him into a state of mind that was attentive to my words and entrained to my energy, that maybe we could find a way through this. But I told him, you can lay hands on my son, but don't hold him down. The surest way to start a fight is to restrict somebody. So we had six doctors and there was, you know, 40 people in the room. And and, um, I got in his ear and I just started talking to him about how we used to float down the river together and how you could see the sun glistening off every little wave Mm -hmm. and how the breeze felt on our face and the 90 degree weather and how refreshing the water felt on our body and how scary it was, but that's what made it fun. And like when we snow skied and he would, I put my ski pole out and he'd hang on to it and he would go through the snow, you know, he's three years old, four years old, and it's really scary. So what turned out is that in both those situations, he had to trust me in order to have fun in order safe. to experience life fully and feel safe. Yes. He had to trust me. So just like those situations we're now in the hospital and he has to trust me. So he went into what I didn't know until later was a theta brainwave state, which is like mind out of body. You're more wave than particle. And in that state, all possibilities are available. It's the quantum unknown, the quantum ability. That is the state that the more people that learn how to get into that state, the better their lives will be. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of what I teach. It's what you do. Um, That's one of our big connections is this this understanding brainwaves and understanding getting into this calm state. Right. Unbelievable. So you get them into the theta state. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, they did the pick line without batting an eye, but the doctor didn't tell us that once the pick line was in, they'd have to put stitches in to hold it. So he had no idea. So we thought we were done. And then all of a sudden she starts doing stitches and he freaked out. We almost lost him. So I turned afterwards, I got him calmed back down. We got all done. And I turned to Steve Stanich and I said, that cannot happen in the lumbar puncture. Yeah. So we got him on the bed put him in the fetus position on his side. We had a young oncologist, Wayne, who um, was going to do the needlework. And then Steve Standage said to everybody, okay, listen, we're going to do this McCoy's way. We're going to have no surprises. We're going to softly let him know step-by-step what we're going to do and allow his dad the time before each procedure to get him ready. And this is something totally new. They'd never done. But thank God, Steve Standage was open to that and saw and knew because him and the doctors and nurses that witnessed it and openness are what helped create the paradigm, right? For this to happen. Wow. And and so, you know, it's like we say, and in other interviews, people have said, well, mindfulness saved my son's life. And in a way, that's true. But what mindfulness did, what I did, is created a state of receivership so that the doctors could save his life. Yeah. Because they couldn't do it without that. It takes a team. Yeah. And it's not like I could get him into that state and that would save his life. I mean, barring 
instantaneous, spontaneous remission and healing, which is possible. But aside from that, me just getting coherent wasn't going to set the leukemia off, right? It was, he would, he would have died. So I, I just want to be humble and say, you know, I set him up so they could save his life because they're yeah. the ones who did it. It so. was all of you yes. because if you couldn't yeah. do what you did, they wouldn't have been able to do it. And you've just got to credit a doctor like Steve Sanish uh, because, oh my gosh, to be so open and to understand the importance of what you were doing and how that would impact what they were doing. It just, it blows me away. And my heart is full thinking about that situation. But still at this point, until they get that spinal tap done, you're still in a life and death situation with your son and trying to stay calm and trying to do this and just feeling the warmth in your heart as doctor supports you in your efforts. So keep going. So So there we are. We're um, on the bed. He's on the bed. Um, There's five doctors that are going to hold him down in the fetus position. And I'm like, no. Lay hands, but do not restrict him. Do not restrict him. Because even if six people held you as tight as they could, if you wiggled a little, I mean, they have to stick a needle in between his vertebrae to get spinal fluid out. And the nerves surrounding the vertebrae are the most sensitive in the body. That's why it's never done without anesthesia. Never. And and that is what... Until now. Until now. And so... Um, we, we, the Wayne, the oncologist who did the actual needlework was amazing. His voice was good. He was trying to match my breath work and match my rhythm of my talk. And everybody was quiet and holding their breath. And he said, okay, I'm just going to lay the needle on your skin to make sure it's the right temperature. And he did. And I explained it and I said, okay, now McCoy, you might feel a little pinch, but that's all they're going to do. And you will be fine. And we just kept talking about the river and the snow, you know, skiing. And, and all of a sudden Wayne says, we got it. We got three vials. And I didn't even know he had started. Wow. He said he was going to start, but I, by McCoy, I couldn't tell. He didn't bat an eyelash. And everybody in the room, when, when Wayne said, we got it, we got three vials. Everybody was, you know, Oh my gosh. And tears are coming out of the doctor's eyes. And we're just all in this moment together, amazingly coherent, emergent total, where the energy of the room was just amazing. And then I said, McCoy, did you hear that? And he went, (laughs) (laughs) and the whole room busted out laughing, just like that. And so they were able to check his spinal fluid. There was no leukemic blast. So they're able to give him chemotherapy. And within hours, the swelling was down and his eyes were open and he's eating food. So it was like unbelievable pivot point paradigm singularity, this outcome or this outcome, that's, you know, it's one of the two is going to happen. So that's where throughout my teachings and research, we've, we've made, I make the statement that in order to fit through the eye of the needle, which is a singularity, a surgery, an event anything you have to first become the eye of the storm so when you can bring yourself into your center and become the eye of the storm the math of singularity then it doesn't matter what's happening you have the all potential open at that point you can re-aim 
what is known as the cone of certainty. Because if you're going this direction and you keep going, you're going to end up here, right? So we can change that outlook by being completely coherent, being the eye of the storm, and fitting through the eye of the needle. And that's exactly what that singularity was. I love that. And you did a lot of research on the eye of the storm to understand this concept greater. And we're going to get into more details after break on kind of the science behind what happened here uh, of the magic of that moment, which I just love hearing this story. So you're listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Don't go away because it gets even better. Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. This week, it's stopping. Just stop. That's all you have to do. Do nothing. Sit still, be with yourself, and do nothing. It sounds like a difficult thing to do, but I love it when people cancel. (laughs) Anytime someone says, I'm so sorry, I can't do something with you. I'm so thrilled because I get to do nothing. And in the midst of doing nothing, something happens bigger than myself. I usually get a phone call. It's because I stop in the energy of force versus flow. So when you take time to be with yourself and do absolutely nothing, I call it puttering. And when I get to putter, that's when my brain shuts off. And all of a sudden, what I thought was a problem turns out to be not that big of a deal at all. But if we don't schedule ourselves in and we don't take time for ourselves to do absolutely nothing, then basically we are not letting the universe know that we're listening. And listening is most important. So we set our intentions, we ask for what we want, and then we spend time with ourselves, sitting with ourselves, doing nothing, and then that small still voice comes in. So if we're always busy and we're always talking to people and we're always moving, we don't get that opportunity. So that's the tip this week is to stop. Our Energy Matters Tip of the Week with Dina Marie. Do you feel stressed, exhausted, or burned out? Would you like to identify your unique warning signs and know what to do? Are you ready to learn how to calm your system and increase your energy so you are healthier, happier, and more productive? Learn from an expert. I transform my life from burnout to bliss, and you can too. Go to MarlaWilliams.net, click on Learn, and sign up for my Burnout Prevention Formula course and move from burnout to bliss in just six weeks or less. Lift your spirits with us every Friday at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. on 1150 AM KKNW Seattle. We will be introducing you to fascinating people, fun places to visit, and activities are guaranteed to lift your spirits. Miss a show? No worries. You can visit 1150kknw.com and click on our archive page or like Lift Your Spirits with Dina Marie on Facebook for upcoming guests and events. To contact me, Dina Marie, visit dina-marie.com. Thank you so much for listening. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Distance now. Do we make 
How perfect are those words? Welcome back to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. If we can make a difference. And if you've been listening in, you heard about a life-saving situation with calming someone that is kind of a medical breakthrough. And folks, it's in the Seattle area that this happened. Seattle children. So it's available to anybody and everybody facing surgery, facing situations. This morning, we are discussing this phenomenon with Jeff Granville, who has created a nonprofit called Mindful Presents. And we were just talking about the eye of the storm. So Jeff, welcome back. And let's talk a little bit more of how you studied the eye of the storm and it took you where? Yeah, yeah, that was a, a, it was just so profound because while the lumbar puncture and the pick line was happening, I felt this calm center about us. And it was like everything was happening in slow motion. And it, it, it's a phenomena called tachopsychia. Well, like in a life-threatening event, your autonomic nervous system records more information so that you can survive it next time. And it, when you recall it, it makes time slower. Like a two-minute event seems 20 minutes long. And it's a real scientific fact. So I had this sense of the eye of the storm, eye of the storm. And Later that evening, it was New Year's Eve, and I bought a pizza party for everybody that the, was involved, and we're laying in bed, I bed sharing with McCoy, he's in one arm, and I have my iPhone in the other, and I'm just searching, eye of the storm, eye of the storm, what is it about this that keeps coming to me? And right then, I found Nassim Haramin, a quantum physicist who's given a, a quantum physics seminar in Barcelona, and Right when I started it, he says, any meteorologist can tell you the, the, the velocity of the wind. He said, I want to know the math of the eye. I want to know the math of the calm, the singularity. And I was hooked. And it, what, he, what he says is that, like Einstein theorized over 100 years ago, that a photon or any other particle is both a wave and a particle at the same time. They alternate between the two at the speed of light. So from that, Nassim says that when we go into ourselves, into our core, and find that singularity, and when all of these fluctuations are happening at the speed of light, if your heart is feeling one thing and your mind is feeling another, then they're out of alignment. But when you become coherent in your singularity, in your center, then you rhythmically align the oscillation between wave and particle, and you become more wave than particle. It, it entrains your entire being. Every cell in your being is entrained. And there is the state of receivership where the best possible outcome is still available. So when we're triggered and in fear, it's the exact opposite. The best possible outcome is not available. And you that, actually put yourself in a worse state, the more you think about it, the bigger yeah, your fear yeah. is. And that if you can learn to quiet that voice, that part of you and go into that calm, which you call singularity, go into that place in your heart and connect, it calms yeah. you immediately. Yeah, yeah this, this mean, is very scientific, very clear. And most people don't know that most people live in their heads. And we have 
high percentage of the same thoughts every day and a high percentage of those are negative. And all of that puts neurons into your body that puts you into a awful state versus that calm state that we want to teach you about and bring you to. Yeah, absolutely. That's beautifully stated. And you could say it's kind of a zone of being, of mm-hmm. being like a being zone. You know, ah, name of my book. Thank you. <laughs> that was but, awesome. You no, know, that's that's why we fit together so well, Marla. That's mm-hmm. because um the beautiful part of what you teach and what I teach and what comes through us is the commonality of it is all the same. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. It doesn't matter what the life situation is. Like when the Center for Healing Neurology refers patients to me that are chronically ill and in chronic pain, I don't even know their diagnosis. All I do is go to the core, go to the heart, go to the breathing and and teach how to set up a state, a physiology. I call it biohacking the physiology of our divinity. You know, because in that state of receivership is where all things are possible. So that is a that is a a coachable, trainable state of being that we can exercise, just like learning to play the piano. You do it over and over again, and you've got the neural pathways to be great at it. Well, that's like meditation or controlled breathing. Anything we do requires our time and attention and practice. And then our entire being will center around that new paradigm. Yeah, it's like when, you know, how you trample a path through the grass, the more you go over that, the more that trail becomes. That's exactly what happens in your body. Yeah. And you you told me that analogy on the beach when we met Mm -hmm. and I've used that. I just did an interview that I posted with Louisa Munson and I used that a very, very same analogy. And and I appreciate you for that because when I'm talking with kids and I talk about walking through the grass and looking back and you can kind of see the trail, but if you go over it a number of times and there's a clear path, mm-hmm. they get it immediately. They get it. Cause they and do I use that. the same story for adults, but I just talk slower. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. That's awesome. Um, so coherent breathing. And, and so basically, you know, my book and what I teach is I teach people five steps, which are the acronym being, B-E-I-N-G, and it yeah. puts them in a calm state every day. And when you do that every single day, it becomes a way of being. It, you've yes. beaten that way through the path. You've created that open path now. And so coherent breathing is something that you do. And I know some of you are driving, listening to this show, but can you just give us a brief sample of coherent breathing, which is what you go in and teach people at a much deeper level, we're just going to touch on this at a very basic level. Um, but can you kind of talk about or take us through a little exercise of coherent breathing, keep your eyes on the road if you're driving, if you're home, go along with us here. Yeah, definitely. There's some breathing exercises that um, we've developed. There's four of them, three main ones that get you into a state of receivership. And the other one is somatic trauma imprint release, which is more advanced. But the basis of it, is that when we, when we are triggered and we, most of us live our lives in a triggered state, we breathe 20 to 22 repetitions a minute. So that's like a second and a half in and a second and a half out. When we're triggered, our chest constricts and our breathing you know, gets faster and shallower and our heartbeat gets faster, we're triggered. Well, when the thing about the autonomic nervous system is it's automatic 
If you know this about it, you can biohack it into homeostasis, into balance. So when we slow down our breathing, first of all, when we intentionally slow down our breathing, then um, like with our breathing exercise, we breathe in through the nose and we exhale out of the mouth and say, ah, and the vocal cords vibrate the vagal nerves and release serotonin into the bloodstream and actually spray it on the heart, which reduces the blood pressure and the heart rate. So um, without getting too involved, like heart math shows that when we breathe in, we trigger the sympathetic fight or flight and our heartbeat speeds up. And when we exhale, it triggers the parasympathetic for rest and digest, our heartbeat slows down. So when we intentionally breathe in for five seconds in our nose and we exhale for six seconds out of our mouth and say, ah, we're entraining the heart into a rhythm of speeding up and slowing down. And that's balance, that's homeostasis. So we can um, biohack our heart into following our breathing. And then we go to our wrist or our neck and we find our pulse. And then once the heartbeat is entrained to the breathing, we then entrain our breathing to the heart rate. So instead of counting seconds, we count heartbeats. So the coherence breathing that we get to, we feel our pulse, we breathe in our nose for five heartbeats, and we exhale out of our mouth for six heartbeats. And we'll notice we'll become biophysically connected to our heart with our mind because we're feeling it. And we'll notice that when we breathe in, our heartbeat speeds up. And when we breathe out, our heartbeat slows down. Now we're following the heart, where the heart has intuition, the heart has neural tissue. Um, it leads the way. The, it's the conductor of the orchestra. So like with all the patients I work with, all the people I work with, if we can create a coherent heart rhythm, then we're going to have coherent thoughts and emotions and immune system and a coherent life. So that is the goal of it. So if we start from the beginning, let's say, should we go through them? We yeah, you know, I think you've explained enough and okay. I don't want to run out of town, time because I, I, there's so much more to say. But what I want to point out to people are two things based on what you just explained. And one is triggers can be anything from someone saying something negative to you you having a self-defeating thought, you thinking negatively or, you know, watching the news triggers you and drains you and causes you, your body to go into that kind of state that you don't want to be in, on the non-coherent state. What Jeff does is endorsed by Bruce Lipton. It's endorsed by HeartMath, by other doctors and professionals and and people, because this stuff is science-based, this stuff is real, and it's what your body is doing. We're just not trained that. And a high percentage of people, whether it's a really extreme illness or surgery or that type of thing, or just life and how you're dealing with the stress, that triggers you. And when you can learn to get out of a triggered state and out of your head, into your heart, which is where your calm is through coherent breathing or another means, you can change your life. You can change your outcome. So that's just in general around what Jeff does, but let's talk about your, your nonprofit and what you do. So it's called Mindful Presents and Jeff offers free of charge services to families that want to utilize him when their child or themselves or whomever are going into surgical procedures or 
um, other procedures that are life that are scary to help them because they have proven that when you go into a procedure, when you're calm, you have a much better outcome. In fact, I coached a friend of mine who had brain surgery and she was terrified and we coached and I taught her how to get into calm states. And I taught her how to go into the surgery. When she came out of that surgery, the, the brain surgeons, the neuro neuroscientists said, or doctors said, we have never seen anybody come out in such good state. You are so aware. All your vitals are better than we've ever seen on anybody. What did you do? And she goes, it was Marla. Marla did that. There's a um, uh, testimonial on my site, but it's powerful. It's powerful to get people into the right space, into the right calm, into synchronicity, into singularity. Yeah, it really is. And it's something that once witnessed by the medical industrial complex, all the doctors and nurses know we need it. It's the administrators steering the ship that we need to get on board. And that's where we're going. We're actually being invited into the hospital. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a vital part of um, how we can move this paradigm forward. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be part of. It's a true gift. And um, my nonprofit, and I'm sorry for the play on words, but it's Mindful Presence, bringing presence, this sorry. mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah that's all right. It, it's, a, it's a play on words that sometimes works against us. You know, I got maybe- It's spelled like presence, but it's presence. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So anybody can access Jeff. And if you're in the Seattle area and you're going in your child's facing surgery or in a situation, um, reach out and see how he can help you. What we really need help with, what Jeff needs help with is getting the people who are in positions of being able to fund a nonprofit like his. He has some funding, some help, but he could use more. We need more companies people who are really philanthropic, who really care about pediatric cancer, pediatric surgery, that can come in and help fund mindful presence, who can come in and help make a difference. His plans for the future and the people are involved in as is unbelievable. I mean, we could talk for hours and tell you all the things that are going on. What we need is more money. So if you know somebody who would be interested in supporting this, Anybody who wants to give, call and set a meeting with Jeff to get to know more, to understand what he's doing and where he's going and how he's going to make a difference in the world of medicine, the world of science. He is a change maker, a lifesaver, and you heard from his own story. And he's not only done this for his son, he's done it for tons and tons of people. So again, so if you want to learn more about Jeff, what he does, or make a difference in this program, it's mindfulpresents.org and go find him. If you want to learn more about calming and getting yourself into a calmer state, feel free to set a complimentary coaching call with me at marlawilliams.net or just get on my site. There's a lot of things on there that will take you into meditation and calm. This has been, in my mind, an amazing show. And I know it can make a difference in so many lives. So I so appreciate you, Jeff. You are just an angel in this world doing what you're doing. And I love that you're not giving up, you're moving forward and we do need support. So if you can support Jeff, um, please do so. Even individually, there's something on his site called Patreon where you can give like five, five, $10 a month and make a difference. So go make a difference. So again, 
Thank you so much for listening to Love Living Life with Marla Williams on Lift Your Spirits Radio. Join me next month where I'm actually going to be talking about another thing related to this called Positive Prime, and it's amazing. So stay tuned, and I'll see you on the first Friday next month, and thank you for being here.
Oh 